Edge Radio coming to you with the land down under. That's right. Bass Edge Radio presented by Megaware Keelguard. You owe it to your boat, personal watercraft, whatever vessel that you have that floats to have a Megaware Keelguard product. Be sure to visit them at keelguard.com. Aaron, I can't stand it, dude. I've been listening to Men at Work all morning. I'm fired up for this freaking interview, dude. We got the Australian guy. Coming in to the studio. Dude, we got to start it now. Carl Jockmanson, Bass Edge Radio, coming at you. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Powerfold is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Powerfold deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Powerfold won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerfold, swift, silent, secure. Visit Powerfold.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Kurt, as always, it's good to be back at the mic with you. We have another great episode lined up, a very interesting story. Anxious to kind of dive off into that. But, you know, before we get to the interview, what's been going on in the world of Kurt Dove? Well, Aaron, I got to say it's road warrior season still. <laughs> uh, did the last show um, on the road and, and still on the road. Most folks don't realize how often we you know, have some of these longer road spells. Uh, this one several weeks but it's been great enjoying the events and uh love fishing up north which is typically what the tour does this time of year so uh it, it's great to be up here i was I, gonna say i i don't feel too sorry for you when right? you're up there right. you know catching 50 60 smallmouth a day and uh you know your average is probably a two and a half to three pound class fish so quit your crying hey man yeah i'm not crying about the fishing of one bit no problems there whatsoever you know you mentioned earlier we've got a cool show coming up today you know i want to take a, a quick respite and say back in these last several episodes we've been kind of doing some more introduction and talking to anglers we've got a lot of new guys that we've been interviewing lately i know we've talked about that a few times today no exception really excited to have you know a guy from australia on the show hint the intro but first we've got the pro tip coming up let's move along with the show First by land and now by sea. 
For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. This is FLW Cup champion Anthony Gagliardi, and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio. Bass Edge Pro Tips segment is brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. This, we've got a little special circumstance today. This was a listener question sent in here to Bass Edge, which we're going to use today for our Pro Tips segment, Electronics with Bass Edge host Aaron Martin. Aaron, the listener, asks, I'm having a hard time keeping my drop shot in the cone angle. I lose sight of my rig after 10 to 15 seconds on my units. Is there any tips that you can help me? Boy, that's a good question and certainly a a very real and present danger for uh, sometimes the most seasoned anglers, Kurt. And I've used Lowrance Electronics for basically all my life, but this question is applicable regardless of the brand that you're using. And one thing that we have to keep in mind, you know, there's really four faucets to a good sonar unit. One is going to be a high-power transmitter and making sure that you have a good quality transducer. There's no breaks in the cable or anything like that. And then the sensitivity as well as the high resolution or the contrast of the display. So assuming that all of those things are intact, independent of brand choice, you know, then we're really kind of ready to look into say, okay, what am I doing that's causing me to lose sight of my bait as it goes down? And remember, when you hear a cone angle, okay, because that is, we're transmitting a signal down into the water of which it returns back, I think somewhere about the speed of sound in water is about 45 to 4,800 feet per second. I know that it's constant, but what it does is you have a 20 degree cone angle is what most of us are using at the 200 kilohertz power rating. So if you think of grabbing like one of those orange traffic cones like we see on the highways that has the base where construction workers are working and that's setting on the ground, that angle that goes down, it gets wider at the bottom. Now if you were to pick that up or raise that up, say 8-10 feet into the air and you would maintain that same angle, that angle is getting wider the higher that you pick it up off of the ground. And you can use that analogy just like when we're fishing in the water. So the deeper the water is, the wider that is at the bottom or the area that we are covering. Now remember, the signal is the strongest right in the middle of that cone. So the further that you get away from the center, that angle of which it's coming down off of the bottom, let's say, of your trolling motor, if that is where your transducer is, that is where it's strongest. The further that you get away from that center point, the signal is going to be weaker. So, And that's generally where we have some difficulty in picking up and watching our bait and watching the fish respond to the bait. So one tip that I do want to mention is make sure that your boat, and a good way to practice this is on a calm, clear, still day, is just go out there, don't really even try and catch any fish, but just practice watching your bait. Drop that down so that we don't have any bait movement. Stay off of the trolling motor because the speed, if you're fishing 30, 40, 50 feet deep, like I talked about before, that's going to allow for your bait to be anywhere inside of that cone angle. Start maybe in 20 feet deep water so that your signal is going to be strong. You can watch that. Keep your boat still and making sure that you can actually see that. Now, if you're still having complications 
situations, most units in, in this day and age, if you're buying new units, the way that they come out of the factory with the settings on your sensitivity, those are generally going to be perfect for most freshwater applications. However, there are times when, you know, I am drop shotting in deeper situations. I'm actually going to go into my manual settings and adjust that sensitivity, which is effectively going to manipulate that cone angle so that I can actually see that to where I can pick that up on the outer limits of that cone angle. So I would first start with trying to practice on a day to when it's common still you don't have a lot of waves because think about it if you've got that cone and you tilt that traffic cone like we talked about your bait can easily move outside of that angle of which the energy is going into the water to give you that return signal so practice it on a calm still day then if that doesn't work make sure your bait is staying right off the center of your trolling motor and then finally you might try and adjusting the sensitivity but eventually if you stay at it long enough you're going to get used to what the trolling motor is doing in respect to where the cone angle is with your individual unit. There you have it, a master's degree in cone angle and looking at your drop shot in deep water. That's Bass Edges Pro Tip from protecttheharvest.com. Thanks, Aaron. Two fishermen came together with one agenda, to construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish, with our boat's exhilarating handling and smooth ride. Extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat. We're building a legend. Legend Boats. Well, as you can tell by my intro today, Bass Edge Nation, I am super excited for this interview and chat with today's Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight one of very few anglers to ever achieve coming to the U.S. and rising up through the ranks to one of Bass Fishing's premier trails. Welcome to the show, Australia's Carl Jockamson. Pleasure to have you with us, Carl. Hey guys. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having us on. Well, Carl, how did you decide to pursue a career in bass fishing? Because a lot of people probably don't even know, do they even have bass in Australia? We don't have largemouth or smallmouth or spotted bass. We have an, an Australian uh, native bass. It's kind of like a, a white bass. And uh, it's like a hybrid kind of cross, but it's native to Australia. And pretty much when I was about in 99, um, a guy came over to America and watched Bassmaster and um, a few of the other trails and came back to Australia and started up Australian bass tournaments. And I got nice. to fish my first one when I was 15 and uh, fished as a, as a co-angler. And I ended up coming fourth and won big bass and won $500 and you know, I'd, I'd been fishing since I was a kid and when these tournaments came to Australia and that kind of happened in my first tournament, I was like, this is kind of what I want to do forever. <laughs> you got the perpetual hook set yourself, it sounds like. Yeah, pretty much. And then uh, what they wanted to do in Australia was build up an angler to, to try and be the top Australian angler. And our classic prize, our grand, what we call a grand final, but our Bassmaster Classic, our prize for that was all expenses paid trip to America to fish a tournament over here. And that was your kind of way in to see if you liked it or to see if you could compete. Since I was 16, that was my ultimate goal. That's all I wanted to do. And I finished in the top 10, I think, almost every year. I came second twice. It took me 10 years, and in 2009, I finally won it, and um, that was my shot to come over and 
see America and catch largemouth and fish a tournament. And after I did that, I just fell in love with the place and decided this is what I want to try and do. Very cool. So what tournament was it that they sent you to for winning the uh, AOY for being the best Australian angler? I actually fished the U.S. Open. Oh, nice. Like fake things happen for a reason. It's crazy. And I got to come over and go to the Skeeter factory and see the guys there and did like a, a whole trip catching largemouth, you know, all over the place. And then I went to the U.S. Open, fished as a co-angler and clear water there was very similar to back home. I ended up using two pound braid with six pounds and four pound fluorocarbon <laughs> leader. That's what I was used to in Australia, but because it was so light, I got a ton of bites and caught a lot of fish. And on the final day, the U.S. Open, I drew Fred Rombanet and he was kind of pretty much famous back in Australia is the guy that won 100 grand on a frog and stuff like that. So meeting Fred was huge and we had a massive day. I caught big bass. I ended up coming second in the US Open as a co and he came 10th and we kind of got along from there and he gave me the confidence to say that, you know, he told me I had thought it, I had what it takes and gave me some uh, advice on what I need to do to come back. Well, Carl, there are so many life lessons here with how your life has placed you where you're at today. You know, certainly that can be said for all of us, but yours in particular, you know, coming halfway around the globe to pursue a passion of which you've literally set out for many, many years trying to make that happen. And quite honestly, there's so many reasons that anglers come up with why we don't achieve our goals. And Kurt, I'd say really this is an answer for many young fishermen that shows how guts and determination and and really an achieve at all cost mentality can prove successful. You know, Carl, your message to young anglers is very powerful. What can you relay to them about what it takes to achieve a dream like you've done? You know, there's so much to it, but definitely um, my just kind of relentless attitude of not letting anything get in your way. And uh, I've had possibly, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people tell me that it was impossible. Fishing wouldn't get me anywhere and all the excuses and the things in the world to say that what I was doing was crazy and that it couldn't be done. And if I had to listen to any one of those people that were negative, I wouldn't be here where I am today. So number one thing would be never listen to anyone that has anything negative to say. If you want to do something and you love it and you have a passion for it, then you should do it no matter what, especially if it makes you happy and fishing is fun. And um, and it's meant to be fun and taking it too seriously can hurt your fishing because you make bad decisions but when you have a clear mind and you're having fun that's when I've always done well and when pressure gets on me and things are tight and it's hard that's when I've always done worse so I always try and bring the fun back into fishing and one of the biggest things I've wanted to show people is fishing is cool and fishing is fun we've got fast boats we've got cool boats big trucks and um, you know when I was young growing up fishing was wasn't a cool thing to do where it is now and I want to show that you know fishing is cool and fun so for anyone out there just chasing your dream make sure it's your passion and something you want to do and make sure that you're enjoying it and you have fun when you're out there. So a quick question are you the poster boy have you kind of taken you know Fred Romanus's spot in being the hometown hero now so to speak or? Yeah it's pretty it's created a huge in Australia because of the first angler to kind of ever do it from Australia so the support I've got from Australia is just massive like it's I've got a massive support base back there and uh, that is huge and, and you know I just know what it was like when I was a kid you know like I thought a guy that I'd followed writing a small article in a fishing 
Racing magazine, you know, I would get nervous to meet him, you know, so I know what it's like for kids to see someone that is being on TV and is up there. So being a good role model for those kids is a is a big thing to me and uh and making sure I represent the sport and in my country well over here. Well, there's no question you're certainly doing that. I, I know uh, I actually remember us sitting down and eating over there at Lake Gunnersville earlier this year when you had that awesome tournament finish and uh, obviously your first top 12 as an elite angler. And uh, that had to be a great feeling. Matter of fact, the coolest thing that all Bass Edge folks should know is Carl's the lady killer, man. I sat down to eat dinner with him and he starts talking and ordering from the menu and the waitress is like melting right in front of us. <laughs> All she wants to do is hear Carl talk, man. It's so awesome. See, girls love bass fishermen. That's, that's another thing. That's right. That's how you get the ladies. So all the young guys out there get the hot ladies, become a bass angler. That's the pathway to success. That's good, Carl. Hey, I got to I gotta ask you this. Let's go back real quick and talk about some of the history. You meet Fred and, and you do well in the U.S. Open. You go back to Australia. Obviously, that was just a trip that you won for uh, being the Australian's best bass angler, correct? Yeah, pretty much. I won that trip for winning like our Angler of the Year and our Grand Final, like our classic, our final tournament of the year. Right. So, So you go home, you make this plan. What's the plan and how are you making this happen? I pretty much, like, I, I got to meet Fred, but I really only had one contact. His name was Gary Boyd, and he lived in L.A. He'd been to Australia, and he actually looked after each Australian angler that came over. He was my main contact, and basically I went home, and I had a good life back home. I, I fished tournaments every second weekend. I had a Skeeter ZX190. I had a nice truck. I had a had everything set up to hunt and fish, and my whole, all my friends and family, everyone was there. I was managing the biggest tackle store in their whole town, thinking about trying to buy it. Like, things were all happening for me. I went home and just had to, like, I had, like, a few weeks, and I just decided that I wasn't going to do it half-heartedly if I did it. So I pretty much made the decision that this is what I wanted to do, and this is what I was going to do, and I sold everything. I sold my truck, my bows, just every little thing I could possibly owned in my whole life, and then I saved, I, I worked for another year and saved up every single dollar I had, and then the bass tournaments that are run in Australia, they held a fundraiser tournament for me, my sponsors that I had back then, they put in prizes and they raised almost $20,000 for me over one weekend. Wow, um, that's great. I just did that for a year and I had enough money to survive for two years and pretty much packed everything up and had to leave everyone. And the first year, uh, not having a visa and stuff, I flew back and forward, I think, four times in that one year. Every 89 days, I had to fly back to Australia and then I'd spend like two days back there and then make the flight back. And once I went all in, I was all in, so there was kind of no stopping me. And uh, it's been a pretty rough road. <laughs> what, what's so cool is, is you talked a little bit earlier about people being negative. You know, you hear verbally people saying, ah, you can't do it, you can't do this. And, and that's only one part of the bump of the road. And when somebody looks you in your eye and says, hey, man, what you're trying to do is, is silly. You know, it's impossible. And yeah. then you overcome all these other obstacles that aren't even foreseeable, you know, whether it's coming back and yeah. forth from the 
the States because you don't have the correct type of visa and those are hard to get. And then, you know, selling everything you had. I mean, all in is a statement. But for you, it's really a reality. This is one of the coolest stories in bass fishing. You see the Japanese anglers come over and and there's support and that kind of stuff. But, dude, what you've done, it's off the freaking charts. It's one of the coolest stories ever in bass fishing, really. That's cool. I, I want to get my story out there and want to, like, you know, big thing is, is I want to motivate and inspire people to do stuff because I just know what it's like to think how hard it could be and fear of failing and stuff is what stops most people from doing doing things. But, um, yeah, I've, I've run into more blind sightings and brick wall that I could ever have imagined. Like, I would have never imagined what I've had to go through to get to here, but all I can say is it has been worth it. I've thought about and tried to give up hundreds of times, and I've just gotten through it and said no, and then on the other side of that, something good has always happened and pushed me forward, and it's a cool thing, but uh, I've had to live and breathe largemouth bass for five years, and it's taken a lot of sacrifices and you know being away from my family not seeing my friends and you know there's so many things I've missed out on in five years but you know when you have a dream and a passion and you want to do something that's kind of the thing you have to do but one day when I'm in the Bassmaster Classic and hopefully my family comes over and gets in the crowd and watches me wait and that's when it'll all be worth it. Well Carl I mean and, and this all joking aside uh, you know mark my words right here Bass Edge Nation we're witnessing something that beyond your years of just your fishing career they will write books about you will be noted in the hollows of bass fishing for a very long time and and certainly i can see carl wherever that road takes you in bass fishing you have a long speaking career motivational speaking career in the states whether it be in business whether it be to athletes to kids to young people doesn't matter your message will live on and it is applicable to any piece of life or anything like you said that's that somebody is trying to set a goal and achieve because that's essentially what you've done and I don't want to lose sight and it to be lost on us of all those sacrifices and what you have done to bring that into reality. Yeah, definitely. I can see the connection. I've studied like all the top sportsmen and all the successful people that have made it and their path and story is very similar and and I've learned a lot from reading their books and what they've gone through and and the tough times and the failures are what made them into that person. Those were the things I didn't understand when things went wrong and why things were tough. But, you know, I miss the elites on the second year. So a full year of fishing, learning everything, coming to the second year ever in fishing the Bassmaster Open, and I almost made the elite. I missed by one point. It was the most devastating thing that had ever happened. Like, I knew how hard it was, and I'd missed out, and that right there was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> if I made it, like, in the second year and jumped in the elite, I would have right. got destroyed, and I was nowhere near ready, and I'm still not. I'm getting through there but I'm a lot better off but you know so there's nothing that bad that happens that ends up bad it always leads you where you need to be and just having that mindset that knowing that where you're heading to the right place and those tough times are, are going to make you the stronger person you need to be for when the time comes. You bet man. Positivity is a very very strong emotion and, and mental aspect. You know you were talking a little bit about the Elite Series. Of course I'm out there too. I know it's super tough man. I'm constantly trying to find kind of a system for success. You've had kind of an up and down campaign as a rookie this year on this series. Are there some changes that you're going to make 
taken your fishing for the 2016 season, or do you feel it's just time before you achieve that success that you're dreaming for? I'm always looking for kind of like the recipe for success. And, you know, I'm still trying to work it out. It's hard for me to know, but what sucks is like you learn every day you're on the water with fishing. There's like, there's not a single day that's same ever the fish are constantly changing and it's just kind of working out how long to spend on the water and practice days and whether like sleep and stuff is important to keep your mind right or grinding you know 16 hour days and only having four hours sleep at night and you know i'm trying to like find out what kind of that middle road is to enjoying it and having fun but also grinding and working harder than anyone else out there and there's a fine line between it all I know is that when I'm happy and I'm having fun and I'm enjoying it, that's when I catch them all the time. And when things aren't going right and I'm not enjoying the time out there and things are happening, the mental game, I think, is everything. I believe almost every angler in the Elite Series has the same skill set. The internet and magazines and everything, everyone's throwing the top-of-the-line baits and the best gear and they've all got it. Everyone knows how to do most stuff. It's just that I think that the good guys are mentally stronger than the rest. They don't give up to the last cast and you hear it all the time they caught a five-pounder on the last cast or they didn't have a fish until three o'clock and then caught 20-something pounds in the last hour and that's that mental edge that most of the good guys have. So working on that's been a big part of my whole plan has been um, huge but definitely just taking in the experience and the journey is uh, a big thing because I set so many goals and then you're not happy until you get to that goal but now I'm like here I've got to really take a deep breath and look what I've done and just um, enjoy what I've actually done here now and then uh, it's tough I didn't think it would be as tough as it was going to be like these guys are just ridiculous adjusting and to the conditions and you hear like a Havasu it was super tough and people weren't catching fish and then the wind blew on that first day and it changed everything I was doing and everyone else that was doing it tough knew to you know throw reaction or crankbaits and adjusted and everyone smashed them and right, those right. things the things I've got to learn is like adjusting and changing a lot faster good stuff man yeah it's always a process I think we can overanalyze it sometimes but it seems like we would all do ourselves injustice if we weren't trying to uh, shift around to have better performance. It's a fun process. And, and like you said, you got to keep it fun. I- I've always wanted to say this. Well, mates, let's take a short break in the action. Bass Edge Radio returns with Carl Jockamson in just a moment. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. If it's hard to stop or you hear squealing and grinding noises during braking, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find the brake parts you need from trusted brands like BrakeBest, BrakeBest Select, and Wagner ThermoQuiet at everyday low prices. Play it safe with brake parts from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio returns with pro angler Carl Jockamson in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil, high-performance marine products, from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements. Visit lucasoil.com. It works. Carl, I can't say enough about the first half of this interview, and, and really my head is spinning, but you becoming a quick success in bass fishing, not only just in the United States, but then having to do that in Australia, is quite honestly nothing 
anything less than an anomaly. And, and most anglers struggle for years to have your type of achievements in their own country, let alone going to a different country. So over the past several years of fishing in the U.S., what has helped you become the angler that you are today? Is it more along the analytical approach, or did you just go fishing and it kind of worked out for you? I've devoted every second and minute of my time to learning, you know, and I think my biggest thing over my whole career, if you talk to some of the older guys back in Australia and um, some of my mentors is since I was a kid and to now, I'm like a sponge. And if you give me an inch of information, I'll take a mile of it, you know. So the best thing you can do as a kid or someone that's learning and even an elite series guy is listen. And I listen and learn off every single person I can, off my marshal if he's talking about his home lake, off my co-anglers when we're fishing in open. It doesn't matter. I'm watching and learning off every single person that I possibly can. I'm reading magazines. I watch all the GoPro clips of all the Elite Series. I went as a marshal for two years in every single Elite Series boat and just soaking everything up and doing less talking and more listening and more learning. And when you're willing to listen, people want to tell you stuff, you know, but if you saying you already know everything, you know, these guys are not going to tell you too much. So definitely just learning every single day you're on the water and as many people as you can has been a big thing for me and just taking all that in so if you're a young guy and you're wanting to be a professional bass fisherman I think the best thing you can do is go as a co-angler and fish teams events and go as a marshal for as long as you can and you see the guys that did it properly like Justin Lucas and some of those guys they killed the co-angler sides until they moved across to the pro side and that is a huge thing because as soon as you're a pro and you're going against guys that's when the learning curve stops a, a little a fair bit and you're kind of on your own so being out there for as long as you can on the co-angler and learning as much as you can off as many different pros is a big big thing so carl when you first came here did you really start like as a shallow water angler just because it was easily to go through obviously at lake mead you probably caught him deep you were using two pound tests and really small braid and stuff where has your fishing in the u.s led you are you kind of more of a shallow water guy or a deep water guy or are you kind of doing some off the wall stuff that you brought from australia that tends to be working here in the U.S. I like to be as versatile as I can. I think you have to be on the elite series side. Definitely don't like getting stuck into that one technique that I always like to go to. I try and learn every single technique I can and try and master it as well as I can. But coming from Australia, probably the finesse side of things was big for me, like clear water, light line, braid leader knots and stuff are all like the top of the line, the best you can get kind of thing that that we do because I've been doing that for so long. But the funny thing is the things that I'm probably the best at right now over here are things that I've never ever done and that brings it back to like flipping I'd never flip a fish in my life I'd never caught a fish on a jig in my life until four years ago right, so, right. but those things were so fun to me that I couldn't believe you could flip right in front of the boat and a fish bite your lure because in Australia it was like clear water and I've learned to cast as far as you can and stay away from the fish so flipping or throwing a jig close up onto those rocks and getting that bite and the hook set that was so addictive to me and frog fishing that just the fun side of that and loving to do it made me do it a lot and want to do it and just having fun and that's actually probably what I'm getting better at or 
probably one of my favourite things to do over here. And it's just because it's something new and I've never done it before. Yeah, that's cool. I got to admit to both of you guys, you know, here in late August, I'm about tired of summer. It's, I'm ready for a season change. How about y'all? Absolutely. Of course, Carl, you know, this is probably uh, right up his alley as far as the heat, huh? Yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've had I've had a few cold days here. Uh, this the last few years has been crazy. At the start of the year down in Hammers <laughs> like that, and Gunnersville when it was snowing and some crazy stuff. So I don't mind summer, but definitely summer up north is good for me. So hopefully this northern swing is going to be good. You bet. Well, as as uh, summer starts to fade and really fall is going to be coming up, you know, later this month as we approach September, I'm going to start seeing some changes even here at Amistad in late August. You know, although the water is not going to be really cooling, the fish often begin reacting to, a, I guess, a change in daylight or, or an oxygen situation, and the bait fish start moving. Carl, what are your favorite early fall patterns that you're going to try and follow to put bass in the boat? Probably a couple things that I did with Fred and that I love to do now is when it gets like late like this and the fish start moving up a little bit shallow and getting on that bait, and this is something that I don't tell a lot of people I do and not a lot of people do, but I, I rig a half-ounce spinnerbait. It's a swim bait from Australia, but it's a very flat-sided one, and I glue it hard up against like a trailer, but it's an actual swim bait off the back of a spinnerbait, and I run one single willow blade off that spinnerbait and with braid leader on a bait cast, right, that lure, like a spinnerbait, will skip like just as good as like a jig or anything you want to do and I actually skip that spinnerbait up underneath docks in the leading edges of the bays and stuff like that and when it gets starts cooling down and those fish start chasing bait and schooling up around the edges it's just like dynamite I do the same thing with a buzz bait take the skirt off and glue like a kitek or a, just a rounded swim bait onto there so it doesn't come off and skip that up under docks and around the edges as far as you can and it's pretty deadly. So you're pretty much removing on both applications the spinnerbait and the buzzbait you're really taking the skirt off and it's threaded onto the head and essentially that's the body of the bait yeah you can actually leave the skirt on the spinnerbait um i don't mind leave it. i can just take it off too but it's more like a what i call a beetle spin then but i actually the skirt doesn't affect it too much as long as the bulk of that swim bait has like a good flat or round side to it to give it that platform to skip off I'll actually skip with the skirt, but a buzz bait with the skirt in that big blade, you're better off taking the skirt off and just having the swim bait on the back. Man, that's good stuff. Something new for Bass Edge listeners to try, and, well, heck, something new yep. that I might try, too. <laughs> that's good, good stuff right there, Carl. Hey, guys, let's move into uh, this episode's listener question. Of course, brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Carl, this question's from Tom Ryan, who lives in Missouri, and Tom Tom asks, I fish a 60-acre reservoir from a 12-foot John boat and have had good success in catching many largemouth up to about 18 inches. But he needs advice in helping him key in on the bigger fish. The reservoir typically has stained water, contains a lot of moss and algae on the bottom of the lake where the fish are typically holding but don't always show up on his fish finder. It also offers other structure like floating docks, some rock, wood, vegetation. The forge in the reservoir is primarily crawfish 
bluefish, bluegill, crappie, frogs, and minnows. He's seen some big bass caught. He says he's seen a five-pounder caught on a chatterbait in the summer and a seven-pounder on a spinnerbait in late spring to early summer. So he knows there's bigger fish there. What advice can you offer him to help him locate these larger fish in that 60-acre lake? I'd probably go with two options on a place like that. I wouldn't be surprised if going a little bit lighter line and trying to finesse a big fish up in a place like that could be good. I'm thinking like a drop shot for sure. Fish that Gamagatsu rebarb hook for a four-up with like a seven-inch rowboat and um, just keeping that worm up off the bottom when there's that moss like that and just pitching it around the docks, around the edges of those grass lines, on the rocks, like a drop shot. You know, some of the biggest fish I've ever caught has been in a drop shot. And in a lake like that where they don't see it a lot, I think could be huge. So definitely give a drop shot a go. And then with the stained water, it's a little bit tough, but, you know, the big lures, big fish is definitely definitely a tried thing so I would be going with a bigger chatterbait a bigger spinnerbait and even just a, a swim bait that has a lot of roll and a lot of thump you know so you want to get as much vibration as you can in the stained water so either go finesse and go lighter with a drop shot but with a bigger worm or try a larger chatterbait a big spinnerbait with big blades or even go with that big swim bait well Carl that is excellent advice and thanks for tackling that question for Tom Tom hey remember Send us an email stating that you heard your question answered right here on Bass Edge Radio, and we will send out that $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And Bass Edge Nation, remember listener questions and comments should be sent to our email, support at BassEdge.com, or check us out on our social media, Facebook and Twitter, and leave those questions there as well. Carl, dude, man, it's been awesome. I got to ask you real quick, do you listen to Men at Work? Because I opened the show with Men at Work. <laughs> That's good. That dates me a little bit. It might be before your time. But uh, then also, Aaron and I were talking a little bit today before we got on the show with you about Crocodile Dundee, the, the actor. Dude, so is that a real typical kind of Australian feel or what? There are definitely people like that in Australia. It's, uh, it's probably not far off. But, uh, nice. There's a few things in there that we definitely don't do that uh, that movie brought across. So the real, <laughs> the real crocodile hunter was Steve Irwin, so he was the man. Yeah, he was the man. God bless him. Rest in peace. But uh, he was the he was the first like reality TV kind of animal guy. One of the first doing that crazy yeah. stuff. So don't you love Kurt's stereotypes, Carl? I mean, <laughs> you, you know. I, you, it's it's nothing like you know just br- giving you a brand over here and just accepting that the you know the whole country's like that right. That's- <laughs> Yeah. Hey, dude, uh, hey, dude, everything that you see on TV is true, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, so we digress. Well, Carl, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And like I said, after you're done with your fishing career, if you need an agent to represent you on the speaking tour, I will be happy to do so because you have just volumes of information to be able to share. And uh, just really want to thank you for taking time out to kind of put a little bit of that with Bass Edge Nation. Hope to chat with you again soon. In the meantime, Bass Edge Radio returns in a moment. This is professional angler Brandon Coulter. Stay tuned for more Bass Edge Radio. Now you 
can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Every part of that interview was phenomenal, Aaron. Really enjoyed talking to Carl, obviously. Really need to see the country get behind this guy. You know, really, he talked about all of his people back there, the sponsors and stuff, and throwing a fundraising event, raised up to $20,000 to really get his dream started and funded, and he has carried it so far, man. That is awesome. I think that Carl should do a, a fishing show in Australia from the U.S. I think that's the next step. What do you think? I think the next step is we've got to call Mark Jeff and somehow do our own fundraising campaign to raise money for Bass Zone to go over there and do a 20 feet deep segment on him to actually just document what he has went through because there are so many things right about that interview that are applicable not just to bass fishing I mean I'm talking about business life sports Whatever the application is, I, I mean, he's covered it. He's went through it. The guy has a phenomenal attitude, and I think the attitude is what has really propelled him to be able to do what he has done. And just think about it. He's only getting started. Unfortunately, we are well beyond our starting point as we have kind of went over the limits yet once again. I know we developed this into a habit, but uh, I'm certainly not going to cut off a guy like that who has such a great story, a great message. In the meantime, please listen to that episode a couple different times. Times because I can tell you there are so many nuggets of information that will take not only your fishing but your life in a upward direction. Unfortunately, we are out of time, as I mentioned, for Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew. I am Aaron Martin. We will see you next episode 215, air dates September 1st, right here on Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.